Welcome to CBP Cross Border Podcast, Northern Border, New York. If you cross the border often, then you're probably well aware it's usually a pretty straightforward experience. Pull up to the booth, hand over your passport or your Nexus card, answer a few simple questions, and typically you're on your way in less than a couple minutes. It's when things don't quite go the way a traveler expected that they may leave having questions, feedback, or even complaints. In these instances, there's a mechanism in place to receive feedback, answer questions, and formally handle complaints. It's called the CPP Information Center. I sat down and spoke with Buffalo Field Office Program Manager, Jeff Toth, to explain more about it. Travelers can go to help.cbp.gov, that's help.cbp.gov. Or they can call the CBP Information Center at 877-227-5511. They can also ask to speak to the professionalism service manager or any supervisor when they're crossing the border. So can you explain what the process is like, you know, say some feedback or a complaint comes in? Yeah, we do in fact research every submitted feedback and complaint that comes into us. The problem, though, is many complaints that come in are submitted anonymously, and they don't have enough information for us to do much with. But if there is contact information provided that we're able to get in touch with the traveler, we will reach out to them to get a better understanding of where and when the encounter took place. Uh, We might perhaps request more specifics on what actually occurred. When we receive complaints as anonymous, many times there's just not much we can do with it. Then what actually happens when a complaint comes in against an officer or any CBP employee? Are they punished? Like, does anything actually happen? So we'll look at it. And if our research concludes that an employee didn't act accordingly or appropriately, we do take various actions to correct that issue. However, we are not, in fact, allowed to share any of those actions with the public that we may have taken due to privacy laws that are in place. Okay. So what are the most common complaints that you get? Over the summer, probably the wait times was the biggest concern for travelers crossing at the land border. That's a big one for sure. We're constantly managing personnel in order to optimize the primary processing lanes while we're trying to maintain our enforcement and security posture. Our primary mission is national security, and we cannot, we will not compromise that. But we are constantly trying to strike a balance between that mission and the efficient processing of legitimate trade and travel. Travelers can also help by doing their part to make the process run a lot more smoothly. Things like making sure you have your documents ready to hand to the officer, remove hats and sunglasses, answer all the questions truthfully. Nexus lanes are also available for cardholders, so you can take advantage of that. If possible, try to travel outside of high traffic time periods which are usually between eight in the morning and five in the afternoon. We tend to see a large number of travelers within this time period. And remember, we only have so many lanes. There's only so much space for vehicles. On average, primary processing takes about one minute. So even when all of our lanes are open, if more vehicles keep arriving than we're able to process, the lanes are going to back up. What about people that for whatever reason, when they come to the border, CBP doesn't let them in? I mean, you must get a lot of feedback about that kind of thing. Uh, Refusals. That's another very common complaint. And many times a visitor to the U.S. is refused because it just doesn't seem like they only intend to visit. 
If we suspect that they may be intending to live or work here without the proper authorization, proper visa, then they're going to be refused. So how does somebody prove that they're just coming to visit and not they're not staying or going to work? We'll typically ask questions about their travel plans. And if the person doesn't have a clear itinerary, doesn't know exactly when they plan to leave the U.S. or doesn't seem to financially be able to support themselves, these are some red flags. We're going to want to see proof or evidence that these travelers have a reason to return to Canada. They have a life and a home to go back to, a job to return to, that they have income and bills to pay back home. If you show up with a vehicle full of your personal items, you indicate you plan on staying with a boyfriend or girlfriend for an unknown amount of time, again, that appears like you're going to be staying in the United States to live. So we're going to require proof or evidence of reasons to return to Canada. Some travelers indicate they're coming in to help somebody out with some work. Maybe they're going to help a friend with their business. But this appears that they're going to be coming in to work in the United States without authorization. In all these situations, the traveler will be told why they're being refused and should make sure they understand before leaving what they'll need to do in order to overcome that. Another complaint that we'll see is related to travelers that are repeatedly referred into secondary. Everyone crossing the border is subject to inspection, both visitors and United States citizens. And there are many reasons why travelers may get referred to secondary. For some, they may need to process entry documents like an I-94 or maybe work authorization. Others may have had a previous situation where they weren't honest to the officers about their intentions, or we found some kind of contraband like drugs or prohibited agricultural products. For those people, we're gonna pay closer attention to them. We're going to make sure they're not doing that same thing again. And they can probably expect that the next time they cross as well. There are also intel-driven referrals relating to information we may have received that a traveler may match a description of a lookout or perhaps their vehicle may match a lookout. Sometimes these referrals are because of a common name that will mismatch to someone else in our systems. We can't clear most of those on primary, so they get referred to secondary. And is that to like keep traffic moving on primary? Absolutely. We're trying to keep that flow of traffic going. So if somebody needs to get something cleared up, um, if they're getting sent in because the system is mismatching them to somebody else, how do they do that? So we do have a system in place for that. They can submit a form to DHS TRIP using the website trip.dhs.gov. DHS TRIP is a point of contact to inquire or seek resolution regarding difficulties travelers may be having at the border. They can file a redress with DHS TRIP. They can also file under the Freedom of Information Act to request CBP records, such as travel in and out of the United States and secondary inspections at a port of entry. But you have to remember that even with a positive outcome from DHS TRIP, even if we fixed a name mismatch, for example, Travelers could still be referred for secondary inspections for other reasons in the future. And um, how about U.S. citizens? Are foreign visitors and U.S. citizens questioned or treated the same? Actually, we do get some complaints specifically from U.S. citizens that don't understand why we're asking them questions at all or what our authority is to search their belongings. 
What's important to understand is our job is ensuring border security. And in order for us to accomplish our mission, anyone entering the U.S., including United States citizens, are required to participate in that process. Of course, our concern with the U.S. citizen is a bit different. We wouldn't be concerned, for example, about length of stay or working because they're U.S. citizens. Our focus is more on what they may be bringing back with them, things that could be illegal or prohibited, potentially other people that they're traveling with. Also, if they might have a warrant, things along those lines. Our border search authority is derived from federal statutes and regulations and gives us the ability to question and search all arriving travelers at our ports of entry. This allows us to do the job we've been hired and trained to do to keep our communities and all Americans safe.